0: How Education Can Be Improved to Disrupt the Status Quo of Healthcare Education. This is our journey, and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Thank you again all for your continued support, and now for the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Pollan. And today I'm actually joined by two very, very special guests to talk about a couple of issues. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit of some varied topics with them, including. Um, patient perspective going through physical therapy, um, also talking about a specific program of physical therapy, so talking about the University of Colorado's DPT program, and finally, we're going to be chatting a little bit more about a fundraising initiative to help um, for scholarship for physical therapy students. As with this, I am very happy to welcome Dr. Tammy Strissel, who is an assistant professor at universe, at the University of Colorado at the DPT program there and as well and joining her is Colleen Rep, who has worked as a journeyman and press operator at the Denver Post for more than 30 years. Well thank you both so much for joining me today and sharing you know your insight into some of these topics and I understand completely that you know some of the listeners out there may want to know maybe a little bit more about you both. So would you each mind sharing a little bit more background into who you are and along with your story with how you kind of each ended up to where you are today and and Tammy how about we start with you and then Colleen we can follow up after that if that works.
1: Sure that that sounds great. Um, thanks very much for having us on Brandon. Um, so as far as my background uh, I um, became a physical therapist let's see 28 years ago graduated from the University of Pittsburgh um, in the dark ages it feels like and uh um got a, a master's and then a DPT, uh, transitional DPT, and um, I've been teaching at the University of Colorado um, since for about 14 years, and I was a practicing physical therapist full-time for 14 years before that, and I've been uh, fortunate that I've been able to continue to practice clinically as well as uh, teach
0: and, and do some research here at the University of Colorado. Well, that's great, and Tammy, is your specialty orthopedics, is that correct?
1: Yes. Yeah. And uh, um, all except for the first maybe three or four years I've been in orthopedics um,
2: my whole career.
0: Well, very, very nice. Colleen, how about you? What's your story?
2: Well, when I was 19 years old, I started working for a newspaper and I was in Colorado Springs and the Sun uh, Gazette went out and they asked us to come up to the Denver Post. And I was the first woman um, pressman ever at the Denver Post (laughs) so it was kind of (laughs) hard but I started out and it was a really kind of um, enlightening to what I got myself into but um, when I started doing it I really liked it I think printing is just outstanding I've been doing it for 33 years and um, I just really enjoy it so that's what I do
0: well I love it and you know Colleen, kind of for this first part of our discussion, you know, of course, kind of going through, you know, the patient perspective with going through physical therapy, um, I'd love to kind of just dive in a little bit more into your experience with physical therapy. Um, So would you mind going more through, you know, give us a little bit of background on um, why you ended up going to PT and kind of what was your experience and transformation as a result of going?
2: Um, yeah, about four years ago, I think, I i think it was about four years ago, 2014, so five years ago, I hurt my back when I was working and it was, um, I consider it probably one of the most serious injuries that I had had at my work. And I went to a doctor and, and they had me go see a physical therapist, which I hadn't really been familiar with, just maybe gone a couple times real quickly. So, um, I was referred to uh, a clinic, and where Tammy worked, and that's where I started seeing Tammy. And when I started seeing Tammy, um, I was nervous at first. But when I first started seeing her and getting to know her a little bit, I got really comfortable, and I learned um, all kinds of stuff. Like um, she approached me as like a holistic kind of you, and she took everything in my life and put it into what she taught me and taught me to get better. So not just like going to work, you know, and then going, I mean, not going to work, but to go into PT and concentrating on um, getting back to work was our most important thing and getting me healthy. I learned how to um, maintain that and and learned all about nutrition and education, and just all kinds of stuff that just made me a better person.
0: Well, I think that's fantastic. And I will extend, of course, my kudos to you, Tammy, as well, for taking that initiative, not only just helping her, of course, reach her main goal, but also kind of going above and beyond and facilitating Kind of that holistic view to really help address health and wellness from you know a much larger scale to ultimately lead a better and healthier life. So I really applaud that because I think that's something that we as therapists really should and can, should really try to work to do to the best of our ability to every single patient. And you know, Colleen, I'm asking one follow-up here because of course you know seeing a physical therapist and you mentioning you know some of those habits and some of those characteristics of Tammy, what things stood out to you about her that really signified the life-changing care, like what were some attributes or things that, you know, she kind of presented with that really kind of stood out to you to kind of make you want to change and kind of go through with that? Because that's something I know that, you know, sometimes providers are trying to do with their patients as well. And this maybe might be a good way to kind of get some different perspective on different strategies and things that can be effective at that.
2: Um, I think Tammy was like really kind of open with what work I had. So she let me bring in video and stuff to show her what I did. So she would work with me to um, be able to do things a little bit different and not maybe um, so high or so low so I could learn how to do things correctly. Because um, working with her, I learned mostly that I really wasn't doing everything correctly. But um, we did that, and she taught me how I had to correlate everything in my life if I wanted to keep on working because I have a hard job and I'm getting older and our staff is getting smaller and she kind of just worked with me about how we could go about to make this life changing for me and to impact everything in my life. We worked on that and that was really cool. So,
0: Well, fantastic. And Tammy, I'd love to kind of get your perspective as well on this thing because of course, you know, I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts and insights as well, from a clinician standpoint, on you know what are some specific things that you feel, that you think contributed to making um, this patient experience and this patient encounter to really help facilitate true um, appropriate behavior change um, the most successful. Like, what are, what are, from your what is your perspective on the success of this encounter?
1: So I think I think the reason that Colleen was so receptive was. Um, and I think sometimes people, especially that have work-related injuries, maybe they have a sense of, um, of stigma or something like that. And um, I've, I've worked with a lot of people over the years, and I, I, I very actively work to not um, – to, to work on any biases that I might have and to not treat them any differently than I would treat anyone else. And, and I think Colleen um, – you know, she really came in with an attitude that, you know, what what can I do to make sure that I can get back to work and do a work she really enjoyed and, and had been doing for a long time. And she'd been very successful at it um, from a physical standpoint. She was able to do the work until she had this injury. And so, um, so I think that, you know, that was probably one of the reasons she responded so well. But I, I have to put it back on her and say, you know, she, you know, I could have done you know, what I think is everything right. And if she wasn't open and receptive, um, then, you know, I, you know, we wouldn't have had any success at all. She really is the one that had to put in all of the work. And, um, I just tried to, you know, teach her how to do things that were, um, maybe, uh, as she, she described, you know, um, working a little, uh, safer, um, and, uh, you know, smarter, not harder, those, those types of things. Um, But also, I think just from a a lifestyle standpoint, um, you know, at the time, she didn't have a particularly um, healthy diet, she didn't um, have an active, what I would call an active lifestyle, as she said before, that her work was her exercise. And so she didn't really um, work outside of that. And um, I think one of the things that that one of the reasons she embraced some of those changes is that um, we tried to emphasize not only on things like, you know, uh, getting stronger and that kind of thing, but doing, um, activities and exercises that she enjoyed. So she does a lot of hiking for instance. And we, we happen to live in a place where, um, we're, we're lucky enough to be able to do that, um, pretty easily. And so she has really enjoyed that and just kind of adopted a whole, um, uh, different mindset, um, you know, including things like sleeping and, um, like I said, diet and, and those kinds of things. So not just like um, the isolated, like PT related things for her back, but just really um, she embraced um, some of these bigger changes um, that I think, you know, at least so far seem to be uh, life, lifetime changes. Hopefully that, that continues.
0: Well, I love it. And I think, Tammy, you brought you both kind of brought on some really key important points that I kind of wanted to highlight real quickly here before we kind of dive into some other avenues. One of the big things that I kind of heard from you, of course, with, you know, Tammy, that you had just mentioned that you thought one is, was one of the big things that contributed to the success, of course, um, the individual being receptive and open to learning those kinds of things. So I think that I'll completely agree that can certainly be a big thing for people. But you also mentioning, of course, appropriate listening. Meeting people where they are at in terms of from an ability, but also a belief level, um, and making sure that you're working on things relevant to the patient's needs and wants. So I think those are some really, really solid points in terms of, you know, from. A provider standpoint on how some things that certainly we should be aiming for to do with all of our patients to the best of our ability, given the situation as it presents. Um, but Tammy, I wanted to kind of dive in because, of course, you know, we had your uh, fellow co-worker Dong Magnuson on in the past to talk about, um, you know, health care, health promotion, and population health terminology. But we really hadn't discussed a little bit more in depth about you know, the University of Colorado's program. And the reason kind of why we like to kind of highlight and just kind of touch base on different, different program standpoint is because, you know, we understand that there are actually many faculty who, who listen to this podcast And a benefit of that is that other faculty can hear and learn different methods and strategies from other programs to at least take into consideration for possible implementation or discussion into how they can maybe modify their own programs to help benefit their students. So would you mind kind of giving us a little bit of an overview on the structure and layout of the program, just to kind of highlight some of those aspects for the audience?
1: Sure, happy to. Um, So at the University of Colorado, we're on what's called the Anschutz Medical Campus, which is actually in Aurora, um, Colorado, just outside of Denver. And um, several years ago, we graduated our first class um, with our current curriculum in 2016. um, And we made some pretty significant um, structural changes at that time. Um, Our program now lasts a little over um, two and a half years. And then um, we have a Uh, paid year-long internship um, at the end Um, and um, so how it's structured is that um, everyone does a a final uh, clinical experience lasting three months Um, and if the individual is matched to an internship um, then they continue on for another um, for the rest of the year for a post-graduation phase um, that has a focus on uh, mentoring um, and that kind of thing and we we um Decided to go that direction. Um, we kind of have four different um, Main reasons uh, one is kind of workforce readiness we talked to our you know clinical sites and there's concerns that maybe people were graduating and they needed you know uh, six months to kind of get up to speed and from a financial standpoint that is very challenging for uh for uh, employers, Um, so that was one. And then a need from the student side for um, mentoring. And so there's a lot of mentoring that is is built into these internships there. Um, They're a year long, but they um, are not full-time patient care. There's definitely time carved out for mentoring in those. Um, We also were cognizant of you know, some billing rest- restrictions like with Medicare and that kind of thing. So, um, so for the post-graduation phase, um, these individuals have actually taken the NPTE and they're licensed um, to practice, so there's no restrictions there. And then the other piece of that is um, that we're um, trying to reduce student debt. So the amount of time that they're in school um, goes down and the amount of time that they're, you know, they're they're being paid um, goes up even if they're not at a full salary um, for that internship. Um, so, so that's kind of one of the things that we changed pretty uh, sub- substantially. Um, you know, I think, um, I guess that's you know that's kind of the structure. I guess that's what you ask.
0: Honestly, I mean, we've heard from a lot of people, and of course, one of the earliest names that kind of brings up this kind of shortened curriculum phase and enhanced clinical phase to address some of those concerns and things that you had mentioned. Of course, I always go back and think of John Childs and Evidence in Motion and how they've created that, you know, started the two-year program and then kind of did something similar to kind of what you had just said. So it's interesting to see that we're seeing more people – modify the structure to address you know like you had mentioned student debt and some of these other things from a clinical experience side to help have certain things not be as big of a barrier and they feel a little bit more ready when they come out Um, Mm -hmm. but apart from i mean obviously those are some pretty solid strengths Um, are there any other strengths or limitations of the program as you kind of see it and are there any other unique factors of the program that you think are kind of unique to this program specifically
1: so i think that our our greatest Strength is our, is our faculty um, and we're highly collaborative. Um, we have, um, depending on the individual, we have people that are um, very high level teachers. We have people that are high level researchers that are NIH funded for millions of dollars. Um, we have very high level clinical, clinical providers, and then we're very involved, um, at the APT, APTA level, especially at the national level. Um, so I, I feel like that those are definitely, um, strengths. Um, as far as unique, um, aspects of the program itself, I think that the internship is, is fairly unique. Um, we also have, I think a lot of programs have, um, uh, pro bono clinics, and we we have one, but it's entirely student run and it's interprofessional. Um, so um, I think that's a that's fairly unique um, uh, combination of things for our pro bono clinic, um, and that's called the Dawn Clinic, and it's in a part of Aurora um, that has a lot of socioeconomic issues, and uh, so we provide care there. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's that's probably what I would say is some of our biggest strengths. I could go on and on for hours about how great um, our program is and how great our students are, but that's <laughs> that. those are some highlights.
0: You know, given that, of course, you know, you kind of had mentioned that as a faculty, you all had kind of made a, this substantial shift um, regarding the structure. How did you guys, like, actually decide on doing that? Was that a collective decision? Or, like, because I'm wondering, because there might be faculty listening that are like, how do I have those discussions? How do we effectively start this initiative? Not even just necessarily for a structure change like this, but just kind of, you know, for modifications and change to the structure in general. How did you guys end up like having that actually happen so that everyone was on the same page to make that happen?
1: You know, I think anytime you have uh, a proposal to have a really significant change, if if your faculty is not on board. Um, the likelihood of his succeeding is is not great and and honestly you know there's been challenges and we can talk about some of the challenges with internships related to the clinical side and the uncertainty in healthcare and some of those kinds of things but but i do think that you know we've made a number of challenges of changes over the years since i've been on faculty and um you know it's really about um spending the time to kind of doing the upfront work to making sure that everybody is informed before, um, actually moving forward and, um, and has an opportunity for input in those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, so I think that's probably, um, I guess that's, that's the case, no matter the work workplace. Um, anytime you have change, it, it can be hard. So people need to feel like, um, that, uh, they really understand the reason for the change and, uh, and, you know, and that they have their, questions answered and those kinds of things. And then, um, you know, it's more likely to move forward with success.
0: Well, I appreciate that because, I mean, just when you kind of had mentioned, like I wasn't aware that the structure had gone that change relatively recently. So I was always kind of wondering, I was like, how did they do it? Like, how does, you know, how does that avenue go? Because I'm sure, you know, I'm assuming every university and system is different, but I'm sure that that could be a very unique challenge or easier depending on where someone is working currently. So I thought that'd be something kind of good to bring up.
1: I was just going to bring up one other thing, Uh, you know, in full disclosure, we're still building our internship sites. um, And because of the uncertainty in kind of the health healthcare world, um, the good thing is that our students graduate, you know, after that pre-graduation phase. And they are able to take the NPTE and go out and work. Um, A number of them are are placed in internships. We'd like to get to the point where we're at 100 percent placement. Um, and we continue to grow those sites, um, but it is a—you know—it's—it's it's also a risk and change for the clinical sites, and we we fully recognize that. So, um, so there's always um, there's always uh, time to to work through that, and, and we'll probably you know continue to make tweaks and changes um, depending on how um, how long it takes us to get the full cadre of of internship sites.
0: Of course. And that seems very reasonable, given I'm sure the amount of work that's been gone in to do that. And I'm sure that's quite an expansive process by itself. And, you know, I know you both had kind of been involved with this kind of unique initiative to help really contribute to physical therapy student scholarship. So would one of you like to kind of dive in and kind of share a little bit more about the specific initiative that's going to be coming up in the very near future?
2: Um, (laughs) Um, I wanted to say one thing real quickly um, for the last question. The one thing that um, helped me is Tammy's attitude towards me when I was in clinic, because I have had seen other therapists and that is so important. And this is all related because even that um, we work together and um, I had Want to, to give back in honor of her. She has been like so outstanding about helping me and participating which is Just the same she was in clinic. So this has just been an outstanding experience and so I tried for a whole year to um, raise money for the student scholarship fund at CU on my own by selling memorabilia and, and um, concert tickets and stuff and I gave back on my own, and when a year was up, I decided, um, let's do something fun, so I was, I had seen Tammy, and I said, Tammy, I want to have a concert, (laughs) and she was really um, acceptable to it, and she was really um, great. She said, I'll work with you, and it was really cool about it, because she works at CU, and she could handle all that stuff, and I didn't have to do all that, and she was willing to do all that and help me with that, so that has helped out, and I could do all the other stuff. I get an artist and um, get a venue, and, and then it all came together, and we are having a concert September 5th in Denver at the Soil Dove Underground with Hazel Miller, and Hazel is a Um, very, very, very popular artist in Denver. She has traveled all over the world. She um, just is very um, kind of jazzy, bluesy, top 40, just very happy person. And when I asked her about it, she loved it. She loved the fact that she could help out and she really wanted to do it. So that was really cool. And tickets are, I think um, they're on sale at the Soil Dove Underground website. They are, we have links out on Twitter, as you've seen, and and, um, on Facebook. And we are asking people who can't make the show to um, maybe donate to the scholarship fund to help out and support um, our efforts. And I think that's about it. Do you have anything to add, Tammy? Uh, No, I just, you know, I think...
1: um... Colleen has approached this in the same way that she approached you know her health and making some of the other changes she she went all in and um, so she's really uh, done a lot of work including um, putting a lot of upfront funds into this um, to get the artist and get the venue and um, and then she's you know put a lot of work into into promoting it and those kinds of things so um, we'd love to see the concert um, sell out and also, if, if at all possible, um, have additional donations come in to the DPT scholarship fund, um, that would be terrific. We do have a, a diversity initiative um, and one of the goals for that is to have our um, student population reflect more uh, closely the patients that they will be out serving. Um, And so we've really done a lot of things. um, And diversity in a very broad way, diversity of various experiences, as well as uh, uh, racial and other um, diversity. Um, So we've got a lot of focus on that. The the, the, uh, particular fund that that the uh, Hazel Miller concert will go to is actually our general scholarship fund. So um, that funds uh, a number of different scholarships that are both uh, merit and need-based scholarships for our students.
0: Well, perfect. And we were also kind of chatting in the pre-show a little bit more about the potential um, that the concert may perhaps have be available to be able to, to be um, seen online. Uh, Colleen, do you want to kind of touch base on the status of that and just kind of let us know what may, that might entail regarding that? Because I know some people might want to may be interested in that, given when the time comes.
2: Well, when I um, started this, Hazel really wasn't, um, the artist wasn't really into having a lot of publicity or anything over it, you know, like video or anything. Um, when I approached her last week, um, to put on my Hazel Miller concert page on Facebook, a live stream, Um, There, we're working it out as it comes. So what I'm trying to do is September 5th, I will put out a tweet and all over, see you maybe can put something out, Facebook, that we're gonna, I wanna ask everybody for that day, every physical therapist, every patient, every person that is in the medical field to support us, to this is your time to support what we're doing. And I want to put links out. I want to try to have a live stream on Facebook. If I can't have the live stream, I will be posting um, links on there where they can click. I can have students be telling, you know, anybody would put a story on or pictures of our live event. So I'm kind of like trying to make, not like the Jerry Lewis telethon, but make it this physical therapy awareness day where people can actually give back and support. And I'm going to really do the best so everybody knows everything and gets on and does this because, you know, someone will say, well, I'll do it, I will do it, or you know what I mean, or the, they don't. But hopefully on this day, this is the day that people can come out and support physical therapy and the students. So that's what I'm working at.
0: Well, fantastic. And, you know, I'd be really interested, of course, to both of you, because, you know, I'm sure getting an initiative like this off the ground required quite a bit of work and stuff going on in the background to make this happen. And, you know, I I recognize that some people might be listening and maybe they've kind of thought about doing something similar for maybe either a similar initiative or something different. So if someone wanted to do something like this at another university or, you know, start a scholarship fund or benefit. What are some tips or tactics that you would suggest or recommend to those individuals?
2: Um, I can start. Can you start, Timmy? You can start. Yeah, I was just going to say,
1: um, uh, find a champion like like Colleen. Uh, that's that's step number one for sure. Uh, and uh, I, I do think that she she put herself out there. Like I said, she had to put money up front. Um For the the artist and the venue and those kinds of things, I think um, being a state university, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that we there's a lot of hurdles for us. And by Colleen taking uh, the concert and making it a private concert where she is then going to donate um, afterwards, I think that has has uh, limited some of the restrictions that we have. If this was actually a CU concert, this is this is Colleen's concert. To benefit uh, the DPT students student scholarship fund.
2: Um, I think that Tammy and I actually working together are probably the first patient doctor, <laughs> um, not per se, but this doesn't happen that much. And I hope that this does inspire people to do this because this field and this cause and is important. And like I said, I can only do so much, but. I think it's a start. And the one thing that I can probably um, give a hint to anybody that wants to do this is just have it in your heart and believe in it and don't have so many expectations because if you do, you get scared, you know, and you're you're like, Oh, I can't do this or, or um, I'm not going to do good. Anything Anything, any donation matters. One donation, 20 donations. It all matters. Any awareness, it matters. You know, I've been, um, Brandon, you know, we've been on Twitter and and you see me and, and people are responding like crazy. I mean, it has been incredible how people will say, well, thank you. Thank you. You know, thank you guys for doing this. Thank you for bringing awareness and stuff. So if I had an advice to somebody who wanted to do this, I would tell them the first find um, somebody that's willing to work with you to basically have a goal and to stay true to that goal and just basically find things that people are going to like. Because when you come up to people, people might not have the same, um, well, I don't want to donate to that, or I might not do not donate to this. But if you can come up with things like um, when I first came out with a concert, Tammy says, well, Hazel Miller, (laughs) people like her and they do like her. And so we can, uh, you can attract people that way from, coming up with ideas that people would be interested in doing to help out is probably the best advice I could give you.
0: Well, I think that's really good advice. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, both of you kind of sharing your perspective on these topics, but of course it wouldn't be an HET podcast episode if we didn't ask our big question and we ask everyone at the end. Now this can be related to what we've talked about today, or it could be something totally different because the question that we ask is really trying to really get at, Different ways to improve healthcare education on a whole. So, of course, we gotta we have to ask you both if you could change one aspect of healthcare education, whether that be physical therapy or otherwise. Which aspect would you change, and how would you change it?
2: Uh, Tammy, you take this one first.
1: <laughs> so i am I'm gonna go I think a little um, away from the topics that we've been talking about, although I think um, there's there's a lot of really important things in um, the therapeutic relationship and uh, biopsychosocial model and things like that that i'm I very much am an advocate of um, and that served uh, has have served Colleen very well uh, but I'm gonna say um, in PT education uh An increase in the efforts to be more collaborative between the clinical educators and the academic side educators um, and to try to make sure that the students are learning uh, both the are learning the practical side of um, what it means to actually be out in, in clinic. So I think the more collaboration that occurs between the academic side and the clinical side, the better the education is for the students
0: well, I think that's a really good point, Tammy, because I know that's been a big point that's been brought up by a few people within the APTA, but of course, the um, Education Leadership Partnership, or, or commonly known as the ELP, um, because there's been a lot of work looking at that and looking at some of those barriers and some of those ways to really get a proper facilitation and balance between both those worlds, because kind of like you had kind of mentioned, it's truly like we're trying to really get partnerships, not just relationships for optimal you know, results for the students. So I think that's a great point. I think that's fantastic. Colleen, how about you? If you could change one thing about healthcare education, what would you change and how would you change it?
2: Um, I think more awareness to the patient. I know when I was first hurt and physical therapy, I had my views about it. You know, I was like, um, not very good, you know, just because I had, no, I'm not saying that weird, but with people that I work with, they had said, you know, that they didn't, want to do it and it wasn't good for them and I had had such a great experience but when you first walk into a place you don't know a lot about it so I'm thinking just saying you know you just it's kind of like eating you know something that you don't like but you got to try it so um I think it's If patients were allowed to go to a clinic and and given more informational pamphlets, maybe on physical therapy, or maybe um, some pamphlets. uh, The best thing Tammy taught me was uh, she gave me some information on some classes I could take online to learn more about my body and and my anatomy. So I think um, giving the patient more information about um, where they're going and how things will help them will be better because it, it gives you more interest in what you need to do. and And that's what I would probably think would be the best thing.
0: Well, I think that highlights a very big topic that of course has been talked about for a very long time, of course, which is, you know, kind of the overall lack of awareness of what physical therapy is. And I don't really blame patients or other providers for that at all, personally, because honestly, I didn't even know what PT truly entailed until I went through school and started practicing. So I think that's personally our profession's fault, personally, of not being clear and effective branders. So I think that's a valid point. Have you ever heard of clinics that do or offer discovery visits or discovery sessions? Um, Not
2: personally,
0: no. Okay. It's becoming a little bit more prevalent that I've noticed throughout the country, in which, you know, if a patient does have an interest to kind of figure out or kind of see or learn what care would look like and just kind of get a feel for the individual to see if this is someone that, you know, I could jive with, that, you know, I could work with, some clinics will offer a discovery session ranging from, you know, 30 to 60 minutes in which they'll talk with the individual about, you know, what's been going on, what care would generally look like, and just kind of answer some of those bigger things about, you know, what things would be addressed and kind of what the process would hypothetically um, be like and what the evaluation would look like. And then the patient can kind of make the decision, you know, if that place would be the right thing for that individual, given what they want to do. Now, I don't see that at every clinic. So let's clarify that. <laughs> I'm seeing that in some clinics throughout the country. But I think that's a at least an interesting, innovative solution to at least partially address that. So I'd just be curious to see how that plays out for sure
2: yeah I think that I think um that would be really good. I think what I'm trying to really address is the fact that the more I learned about physical therapy, the more I wanted to do it, and the more I put it in my life and I think if you go into a clinic and which I had before and and was kind of just real quick 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 quick, and you know I, I left um I don't think that's very effective. So what I'm trying to say is, is that it's really important to basically take each person and give, you know, if it's five minutes, ten minutes, give them a lot of information and and that first time because it's going to make a difference whether they want to go or if they want to stay. And 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 I think the first impression is the best impression. The best impression you can get is is you know going to be your reward and my reward. So. That is what I'm trying to say is I, I wish there was a little bit more of that. I, and that is why Tammy and they worked out so well because she did that with me. And I'm appreciative of it. I don't know if everybody does that, but that's what I'd like to see everybody do.
0: It's interesting because I've talked with some therapists and even some of my friends that kind of work across the country where I went to school. And I know some of them are working for clinics where they end up seeing like two to three to four patients at a time. And personally, I'm just like, gosh, how do you do that? <laughs> Uh, How do you do that, keep everything straight and be able to put out high quality? And some can do it very well. Some cannot. So there's certainly a variability in business models that certainly exist within practices. And I don't have the solution on that because I understand that there's financial concerns and there's other things that are partially driving that. So I just think that's something to at least consider is that we certainly don't have an even playing field when it comes to that.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Tammy, what do you think about that? I mean, you you've got so much time, I think. And, yeah. oh, I could go on and on. I, I've <laughs> definitely,
1: I, I've definitely worked in um, higher volume clinics and, and, um, you know, I choose not to do th- that now. And I think it's because I've recognized the, the importance of the relationship. And I, I think that if you have multiple people um, at one time, it's, it's really, really hard. And, and, you know, that said, um, I, I have I've chosen to work in almost entirely private practices because I think that the, there's so many reasons for that but um but they're being squeezed uh, so so intensely and um so i'm 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 really hoping that the ones that are providing uh, really good care in that are are allowing the therapist to have that one on those one on one visits that they you know continue to to uh, survive in the, in the healthcare climate. So, um, but it, it's tough and I, I understand why not everybody has been able to do that. Um, but you know, the, the good thing about having practiced so long is that I have a little bit more, I can be a little more selective about where I'm practicing and um, you know, I've been really uh, fortunate um, for most of the time that I've been in, in academia to be able to, um, to work in clinics that are really outstanding and that do believe in that um, one-on-one time.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. And I know we've talked about a lot of avenues regarding, you know, the patient perspective, of course, the program, um, but of course this awesome fundraiser that you guys are kind of spearheading, shall I say. Let's say someone is listening and they want to learn a little bit more about any of the topics that we've talked about. Um, Where can people kind of follow up or read more online? Should they want to either just learn more or reach out? Should they have a question?
2: Well, as far as the concert itself... You can, um, for the artist, you can look at hazelmiller.biz, which will give every information about her. Um, you can also go on my Facebook page, which is the Hazel Miller Concert, which has everything on it. I put anything from links to about the school to pictures of, of you know, the school, and i put uh, any information about the venue about what I wanted to do, about myself, about the whole thing. So I think the Hazel Miller concert on Facebook is a pretty good site. I think um, looking at CU therapies, Tammy, is it CU therapy or is it a certain link that they can go on to for your school? Um, so why
1: don't I provide that to you and you can put it on, on the uh, concert, p- concert page because I'd have to see and on the podcast page because I'd have to see exactly what the best link would be Um, I don't know, I don't think we have like a single link, it's a couple links through the university so I'd have to, I'd have to check.
2: Okay, and then um, I think, I think that's about it. I think this, those three pages, I think the CU, I think they're doing a really good job um, because you can go on CU, physical therapy, and you can read about the school, and plus they have provided a lot about the concert and stuff, which is good. Um, I go on Twitter, so a lot of people have to join me to see my stuff, but I can put it out there. But if anyone needs to know, I think the best thing to do is basically just go on the Hazel Miller concert on Facebook, and I will make sure everything is on there.
0: Well, perfect, and thank you both again so much for all your work that you do, not even just for this concert, but for you know, education, clinical practice, and so many other things that you do, As I really appreciate you both kind of sharing the time and insight about this to the listeners, and thanks for coming on. Thank,
1: thank you, so Raymond.
0: Access to healthcare is one of the largest issues facing both providers and patients, as millions of people worldwide lack timely and affordable access to healthcare. Anywhere Healthcare A telehealth platform is a simple, low-cost option for providers and patients that eliminates the barriers to access to all kinds of healthcare. To find out more, check out anywhere.healthcare, which is available on our show notes. And if you use the code HET in all caps when you email to sign up, you'll save 25% off the total cost. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HETpodcast, on Instagram, HETpodcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus... Extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.